Good morning, church. My name is Sophie Derby, and I'm the eldest of four daughters in the Derby family. Currently, I'm a senior at Trinity Classical School. In addition, I'm also a competitive swimmer. I've been swimming for seven years, and I'm committed to swim at Washita Baptist University this fall. <laughs> I grew up in a Christian household and have been coming to second since the eighth grade. We attend service every Sunday and live every Wednesday. In addition, we are very involved in the church. My dad is a youth leader and my sister and I are on the student leadership team. I accepted Jesus into my heart at a young age and was later baptized in the sixth grade. Upon reflecting to write this testimony, I realized that back then I was a Christian but didn't have a firm relationship with God. I called myself a Christian because I read the Bible, prayed, went to church weekly. However, my faith was shallow and existed only as head knowledge. I followed all the rules but did not have a firm relationship with God. My faith started strengthening when Hurricane Harvey destroyed all that we owned. We lost a nice house, cars, and thousands of dollars worth of items. However, during that time of recovery, God gave me and my family, but especially me, a peace that surpassed all understanding. As I stand here, I can't even begin to describe what that peace felt like. It totally covered me and took away any anxiety that may have existed, and I just had the strong feeling that everything would be all right. Jesus said in the book of John, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. The voice of God constantly whispered to me and reassured me that everything would be all right. It was at that time that I realized that God is a personal God who can relate to us and care for us. He's not a deity who enjoys punishing us for our sins, but a God who is jealous for our affection. This is when I started to see my faith as a personal relationship with God instead of rules to follow and boxes to check. Now, I live my life for Jesus. Although it is difficult to do so, I seek to glorify his name through my thoughts, actions, words, and deeds. Colossians 3:23 to 24 is a motto for my life. It says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from him you will receive an inheritance. You are serving Christ the Lord. Before my races, during competitions, I even try to remind myself that I am doing this for God's glory and I will do my best for him. However, as a Christ follower, my life isn't perfect. I still experience hardships and struggles. For example, in my junior year, I went through a time of feeling insecure and having doubts. This was due to certain situations at school and due to my shoulder injury, which hindered me from training and competing in swim. The frustration of not being able to perform at my best overtook me. However, God revealed this Bible verse to me many times to reassure me that he was there for me. At first, this verse seemed very random, but after seeing it multiple times, even hearing it in a song, I realized that God was trying to speak to me. He stated to me in Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you, you have only to be silent. And indeed, he fought for me. He gave me not only peace, but also healing, both physically and mentally. I emerged from that season of life, deeper rooted in God's love and in his presence. God helped me refocus on him, and base my worth on him instead of on swimming or on relationships. That was last year. Currently, I have not been focused on my faith 100%. Although I'm still attending Bible study and live, 
when I go home, I leave my Christian self here at church. I go home the same sinful person I came as, completely unchanged. I've not been diligent with doing my quiet times in prayer. Instead, I've been filling my time with frivolous things that distract me from God's truth. These things range from swimming to boys to even schoolwork. While these are all wonderful things that God has created, for me to put my heart in them is to worship the creation instead of the creator. Putting my time and energy into it only satisfied me for a little while, leaving me craving for more. After going through this vicious cycle many times, I realized that I was stuck. I had been trying to control my own life instead of entrusting it to God. In reading through my commonplace book of quotes for an assignment, I came across something very relatable. St. Augustine's prayer from his book Confessions hit home for me. He prayed, O God of hosts, turn us and show us your face, and we shall be safe. For whenever the human soul turns itself other than to you, it is fixed with sorrows, even if it is fixed upon beautiful things. After reading that, I realized that I had been filling my time with earthly things, and I longed for something greater. While God has blessed me with lots of things, I had been focused more on his blessings than on God himself. This has led me to see that I need to refocus. We all have a God-shaped hole in our hearts, and nothing else in the world except for his love can fill that hole. St. Augustine also said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. As I restlessly searched for things to fill my heart with, I was blind to the obvious truth in front of me. God's love is the only thing that can fill that hole. I have come to realize that throughout my Christian walk, I will have what seems like cycles of spiritual highs and spiritual lows. However, this is untrue because God is never distant from me. He is always near and willing to speak to me. Through the last couple of months, it was not God who seemed distant, but it was I. At live, on a Wednesday evening, he spoke to me directly through a song. The lyrics sang, I need you more than the air that I breathe. You've captured my heart every beat. You're pulling me closer. I need you. All that I am at your feet to pour out my love and to praise you over and over. The more I know you, the more I want to, and I can't get enough. I realized that I needed to break that cycle. I cannot successfully run my own life without Jesus. Jesus needs to take the wheel. Through praying and doing my devotionals consistently, I have broken that cycle. Through coming to church and worshiping at second, God has strengthened my relationship with him. If any of you ever feel like you're going through a hard time in your life, I want to encourage you that God is there for you. No matter what you're going through, I can say confidently that the Lord will fight for you. What he has started in you, he will finish. Paul says in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. It's not about being a good Christian or a bad Christian, but about our pursuit of God. God will never abandon you. Just reach out to him in a simple prayer. He is there to listen. To anyone going through a dry period in their faith, I encourage you to keep attending second. Reach out to Bible study leaders and pastors for prayer and advice. God often speaks to me through music, so I want to end on this song to encourage y'all. It goes, you are my confidence. All that I am is held within your hands. God, take my life and make it evidence of your goodness. My victory, I have no fear for you are calling me. My faith will rise and walk upon the water steep. God, my confidence. Thank you.
My name is Joseph, Joseph Diera. I'm a senior this year, and this fall, I'll be attending Texas A&M University. Whoop! My favorite novel is The Dreamer by Pam Ryan. I hate Ross Spinach, and I love, love the band for King and Country. Remember that last one. My family has attended Second Baptist here for almost as long as I can remember, so I'm honored to have the Lord speak through me today. As I mentioned before, I've practically grown up in this church. To me, Sundays mean an atmosphere of fellowship, a strong Christian community to teach and to guide me, hearing the word of God and worshiping him through both praise and music. I made my decision to come to Christ here and was baptized here almost 10 years ago now. Wow, I'm old. I've attended summer camps and vacation Bible schools here, and last year, I was even gifted with the opportunity to volunteer as a condo leader for Jehai Beach Retreat. While I'll admit that I fall into routine, I'll forever cherish the impact that growing up in this church has had on my life. All this is to say that I've spent a lot of my time in a strong Christian community, that being here in the church. Right now you're asking yourselves, Joseph, where do you spend most of your time? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> at home, obviously, and here at the church, both Christ-centered places, and also school, public school. Eight hours a day, five days a week, 180 days a year, excluding time spent for extracurriculars, after school, on the weekends. All this is to say, I've spent a lot of time at school. And I don't think you need me to tell you that public schools in America aren't exactly Christ-centered. While there are many great God-fearing teachers, faculty, staff, and students throughout American schools, there's no getting around the fact that it's a secular system at heart. So here I am, one moment deep in fellowship, discussing what lessons I can take away from John 1.17. And 24 hours later, I find myself in an environment full of conflicting beliefs, values, and idols that all collide to form something reminiscent of the streets of Corinth or Antioch. So why do I bring all this up? I say this because I know that Christ commands me to tell his story to the world. Quote, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and then of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. Throughout my life as a born-again Christian, but especially since I've entered high school, these verses avoid heavy on my heart. I find myself asking, what am I doing to advance the kingdom of Christ? I had this feeling that I was becoming pacifist in my faith, like I was waiting on the sidelines for something to happen. Remember the band for King and Country? For those of you who don't know, they're Christian singers and songwriters. In 2012, they released a song titled, The Proof of Your Love. It's an amazing song. So of course, one day I'm listening to it, and for whatever reason, I find myself totally enamored by the lyrics. In the main chorus of the line, quote, let my life be the proof, the proof of your love. And hearing it just reminded me of something. It reminded me that the most powerful testimony that we can give isn't a story or a speech, but our lives. When we live our lives in a way that exemplifies the fire of the Holy Spirit within us, that is what draws people in. That is how we get an unbeliever to truly be interested in this thing called Christianity. So how do I let the Holy Spirit work in my life? I hear God's call and I answer. Matthew 7, 7 states this, ask and it will be given to you. 
Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. God's calling to me became a lot more clear when I began to seek him out through both praise, scripture, and fellowship. My Bible is an appendix in the back titled Perspectives from the Bible. It lists out verses for me to read for whatever situation I might find myself in, whether I'm in emotional turmoil, seeking comfort, or simply want to further my discipleship. Reading from here, verses began to take on new meaning in my life. On the fellowship side of things, I of course meet the amazing second students team. Sundays, Wednesdays, Saturdays, any day of the week, these men and women minister to high school and middle school students such as myself. They come from all walks of life, but one thing is common between them. If there's just one thing that we take away from the lessons, it would be this, to take hold of the opportunities that Christ gives us, whether it's to become a new creation ourselves or to share God's gospel with others. Between what I could see and what I could hear, God's message to me came clearly. If I truly wanted to be a tool in the hands of his church, I needed to do nothing more than to capitalize on the opportunities he gave me. Right in front of my own eyes was what I had looked for. It's as if God's pitching underhand and I'm on the batter's mound. Bang! Home run. So when a chance to serve, to minister, to love and care for one another comes, I take it. Last summer, God called me to volunteer for Jai Beach Retreat. I got a text from Student Ministry asking if I could find the time to volunteer as a condo leader. Bang, home run. It was an amazing experience seeing God work in the lives of the next generation and a humbling experience seeing how difficult it can be taking care of several 12-year-old boys. <laughs> he called me here to speak to you today. Another text from Student Ministry asking if I could find the time to speak for Youth Weekend. Bang! Home. Mm. This might not be of the ballpark yet. I'll let you be the judge of that. <laughs> he calls me to be an ambassador of Christ every day I walk into my schools to share the truth of his love and gospel. I know countless students who I'd love to see get to know Christ. God tosses me the ball, but suddenly I freeze up. What if they reject my message? Will I come off as self-righteous, trying to shove the gospel down others' throats? A swing and a miss to strike. Yes, I have a confession to make. Truth be told, it has been easy trying to minister to the world. It pulls me far out of my comfort zone to stand in front of a crowd, a stranger, even a friend, and share my gospel to be a testimony to show what Christ can do for you and for me. If I'm being honest, I should have struck out by now. God tried to use me, but when it mattered the most, I failed him. Every time I find myself falling for this trap, I remind myself that God does not ask us to be perfect. He asks for our best. Our God is not a God of judgment and of grudges. He's a God of forgiveness, a God of second, third, even fourth chances. I have a lot to work on in terms of my maturity as a Christian. That I know for sure. So I pray that as God continues to use me, that I will grow in my faith, that I'll be able to step outside of my comfort zone. This fall, I'll be attending Te Texas A&M University, one of the largest universities in the nation. With university comes a lot of opportunities, but above all, the opportunity to impact more lives. Luke 12, 12 says this, the Holy Spirit will teach you that in that very hour, what you ought to say. I know Christ will equip me with whatever I need. 
even the courage to accept his calling. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Kendall West, and I am one of 17 seniors at Trinity Classical School. I have attended Second Baptist Church for 14 years. In fact, my parents met on a bus at a Second Baptist singles retreat. God has always been a part of my life, but I do remember the day that I chose to accept Jesus as my Savior. At six years old, I found myself in a Bible study confronted with the question, is Jesus the boss of your life? I immediately circled yes, but my eight-year-old brother sitting next to me looked over at my page, crossed out my answer, and circled no. <laughs> Eventually we decided on maybe. When I got home, I cried to my mother about what my brother had done. She explained to me that my answer really was no, but asked if I wanted to make it yes. That day, I made Jesus the boss of my life. Since then, I have served on the giggle and jump teams as a caregiver in the children's ministry and in children's classes at the School of Performing Arts here at Second. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Many people take this phrase to mean train a child to have Christian values, and that's a valid interpretation. However, Consider the phrase, in the way he should go, which comes from the Hebrew, pederech, meaning the way commanded by mouth. There's a spoken nature to the phrase. Now, a person may speak the exact same phrase 200 times, but none of the repetitions will sound identical. For example, given the phrase, where is my hairbrush, I could say, where is my hairbrush? Or I could say, where is my hairbrush? Or I could sing it like Larry the Cucumber. Oh, where is my hairbrush? They all sound different. Similarly, the way a child should go will look different for each child. We are all unified in our Christ-like mindset and actions, but that will look different in Blakely's life as it will in Easton's. Each child has a unique path on the way of Christ that God has called them to follow. This idea of a calling is thrown around a lot in the church, but this verse from Proverbs validates the importance of being raised to hear and obey God as he calls your name. Finding and following my calling has driven the past year of my life and has shaped the faith that I have today. In search of my calling, I looked back to my freshman year in which I participated in Matilda the Musical at a secular theater. I was surrounded by people who lived drastically different lives than I did, forcing me to reject what they considered normal as I lived in a godly manner. As a dance captain, I led not only with a five, six, seven, eight, but also with a joyful and humble heart. The people around me did a double take, and after the show, one of my castmates, named Izzy, texted me and began asking questions about Christianity, sharing her story, and asking for prayer. Two years later, Izzy told me that soon after we began texting, she had given her life to Christ, and she believed that God had put me in her life to be the light that she had so long been blind to. 
Though 156 miles separate us now, Izzy and I still turn to each other in times of prayer, praise, and petition. Seeing how God moved through me was simultaneously uplifting and humbling. But as I recollected this blessing last year, my calling became clear. God has used me in theater, and the work he has for me is not done yet. In the fall, I will attend Abilene Christian University to double major in musical theater and mathematics. I have heard all of the stifled exclamations and seen all of the shocked and slightly concerned faces when I explained my two contrasting majors. And no, I didn't just throw that math degree in there last minute. Calculus is calming, and I'm sorry if you disagree. <laughs> Needless to say, many hours of worry, thought, and prayer went into my career decision. Eventually, I was convinced by an argument made by the philosopher Soren Kierkegaard in his meditations called Fear and Trembling. Kierkegaard used the example of Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac to understand and analyze true faith. He came to the conclusion that true faith requires two decisions. First is the decision to recognize that your greatest material desire is completely impossible and to relinquish all hope of it. Second is the decision to believe against all odds that God can and will fulfill that desire for the sake of his kingdom. In Kierkegaard's analysis, Abraham knew it was impossible both to obey God and to have his son Isaac live. Still, he chose to have faith that because of his obedience, God would save Isaac. There was no basis for Abraham's belief, and yet he stood there with a knife to his son's chest, knowing that he would still be the father of many nations through Isaac. It sounds absurd, but true faith, believing without seeing, must be. In fact, Kierkegaard called true faith belief in the absurd. Kierkegaard's conclusion made me realize that I was afraid to have true faith in my calling. I wanted to hold firmly to my biblical values, pursue academics, and spend years professionally telling stories on stage. But that all felt impossible. Kierkegaard showed me that knowing that what I want is impossible and sounds absurd and that only God can help me achieve it is the first step to believing that it will happen. So I chose to believe in the absurd. I chose to face the fear of my own dream, knowing that God would handle every aspect of it. And I also learned that I had a faulty understanding of what I truly wished. My greatest material desire is not to be on Broadway or become a millionaire mathematician. It is to fulfill my calling. And that is why Kierkegaard's theory succeeds. Because when my will is aligned with God's, my greatest material wish is my calling. Abraham was called to be the father of many nations, and he needed Isaac to do that. So he had faith that he could remain righteous in God's eyes and see his son alive the next day. As I said earlier, I believe that my calling lies in the theater. And I have faith that my initially terrifying degrees at Abilene Christian will help me fulfill that. I have faith that now that I've made myself available to God, he can and will use me. 
And I'm capable of faith like that because for the past 18 years, I have been trained in the way I should go, trained to follow my calling. Eight days ago, I became one of the first seniors to graduate from the School of Performing Arts here at Second Baptist. I have been singing, dancing, and acting in this church for over 11 years, whether that be in Giggle, Jump, VBS, Spa, or the Christmas show. Throughout it all, I have been surrounded by God-fearing, amazingly creative and freakishly talented people who love me and who want to train me to become all of those things. I live with two selfless parents who consistently consider my desires and needs above their own. An older brother who taught me to live intentionally and think deeply. A little sister who follows my every move and inevitably puts a smile on my face. And a grandmother who taught me what it was to be a doer of the faith instead of just a hearer. I have a family, a school, and a church that has seen me through every moment. And because of that, I can stand here today and say thank you to you all. You showed me the way, and I am ready to embark upon my journey with the assurance that I have been well-trained in the way I should go, and the hope that through the years, I will not depart from it. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to gather here and study your word. I pray that you continue to change our hearts and lives and that we would go out and further your kingdom. In Jesus' name.